0: All right, we get to do a, a book club podcast.
1: <laughs> Excellent. And
0: and and we have uh, our our resident renovare now an expert, Deidre, uh Lanou. L-
1: That's right, Lanou. Exactly. I got it right. Awesome. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Thanks. It's great to be with you.
0: Yes. Thanks. Um, and so people at this point have begun reading with, uh, with the book, The Life of the Beloved. And, and I wondered if, um, okay, so we recorded another podcast that people can listen to that talks generally about Henry Nouwen um, and some of his professional work and such. But I'm curious to know how you became interested personally in the work of Henry Nouwen.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that's, a, that's an interesting story. So when I was in seminary, actually studying for ministry, a friend of mine gave me one of his early books called Open Hands. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a book on prayer. And uh, my, my initial read, I read it and said, oh, that's nice. And I put it on a shelf. And I didn't look at it again uh, for quite a <laughs> while. And yet, then when I was in a little bit more of a crisis myself, um, spiritually, I picked that book back up. And it was almost like it was an entirely new book. You know how that can happen. Yeah, to you. yeah. And because of the state you're in as you're reading, and uh, and it was extremely meaningful. So then, as I got into my uh, PhD, I was doing a PhD in church history, but my main focus um, was that I wanted to study people who knew and wrote about God. And could tell me how to know mm. God mm-hmm. and how to experience God. Um, and so I got the nickname of the mystic uh, <laughs> in my in my cohort because they're like, oh, here she goes again. You know, <laughs> papers we have to read, uh, you know, so Henry came to the forefront in mm-hmm. in those discussions as well. And so uh, I kept him. Kept him in the back of my mind because he had he had become my spiritual guide mm-hmm. uh, and I picked up others of his books, you know, I'd read along the way. And so then when I got the opportunity to do my project on him, man, it was just such a gift um, mm-hmm. because then I got to immerse myself in his work and in his life uh, for, you know, uh, over a year. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it changed me, um, you know, or I should say it gave the spirit an opportunity yeah. Uh, to to change me and to transform me, uh, in in many 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 ways.
0: Mm. Oh, I, I, this is totally irrelevant, but I want to tell it. <laughs> how how I discovered that one.
1: Oh please, yeah.
0: So I was a um, clinical social worker. had a counseling practice, and and I had a crisis. This real big loss happened, and I didn't want to cancel my clients, so I just continued working and. Towards the end of one of my sessions, my client goes, y- "You don't look okay, Nate." And I go, "I'm not." And I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm trying to be present here. And she goes, "I think I have something for you," and pulls out uh, his book, "Turn My Morning Into Dancing." Is that what it's called?
1: Oh yeah. Uh huh.
0: And just says, "Maybe this will be helpful." And
1: oh wow. man,
0: I just sat in the office and read it, and just tears. It was so good. Um, but
1: oh, that's great. Not that cool. It's kind of interesting that
0: client gives their therapist a book, right? I'm concerned about you. you know I
1: mean? And they let Henry become your counselor. For- that's right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay. Oh, you that's s- beautiful.
0: You said something interesting about um, the life of the beloved in in our previous uh, podcast that, I mean, it's probably in here, but I honestly didn't catch it, but that doesn't surprise me too much. That, that he's working on the metaphor of Eucharist in this. Yeah. Yeah. Did he say that in it? Did I just miss it?
1: Um yeah, he says it. I mean, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe not does he he probably doesn't spend a a ton of time on it because he's t- trying to talk to people who wouldn't be, you know, that familiar right. mm-hmm. with the practice or the idea. So maybe I read between the lines a little. But no, he does he does talk about that idea and where it came from, you know, the idea of of the last supper with Jesus's disciples mm. and you know, the breaking of the bread with them.
0: Mm -hmm. But this whole structure of the book comes from that, the taken, blessed, broken, and and given.
1: Yeah, so it's sort of the idea that um, Jesus' own, you know, life, ministry, his sacrifice, um, but then how we as followers of Jesus are his body Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's the image in the Eucharist, you know, Jesus says, this is my body. Uh, broken for you and then now one takes that and just completely translates it into and now we you know as the as the church or lovers of God are Christ's body mm. also taken blessed broken and given and mm-hmm. so it's a beautiful idea I've never taken communion the same since really uh, since reading this book because those images those words come to my mind
0: mm. Taken, blessed, broken, given. Okay. And then this first part with taken, he he's really talking about being chosen.
1: Yeah. And so he kind of immediately switches over to that idea, because maybe the word taken doesn't work sure. uh, you know quite as well in in what he's trying to communicate. But yeah, the idea that um you know, I was just listening to Christmas music this morning and, and one line from it was we all need a place to belong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um and how and now in this sort of Getting into this idea of being the beloved of God means we are special. Each of us special. We are we are created special, unique. So in that sense, chosen uh, by God. And yet, he makes a great point in that he says, "But it's we we are all unique. We are all special. But that doesn't make someone else less special."
0: Right, right.
1: And because we always think of it in a competitive nature, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But. But Henry is constantly challenging us that that's not what Christian spirituality is about. It's not about competition.
0: Yeah. And and he talked about that, didn't he? That typically, you know, this is you won the prize. You're better than everybody else. But this kind of weird, I don't know, is paradox the right word that we both are chosen? We both are God's favorites. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, we are so formed culturally by the other idea that I think it's it's almost uh, almost impossible for us to grasp it. And yet Henry is trying to challenge something that we automatically assume that we automatically think. And he's trying to make this language work in a way that somehow describes the mysterious love of God, you know, (laughs) as our, as our creator um, and as the one who has loved us before we were born and, you know, will be present with us hereafter. <laughs>
0: so. You know, a number of times in this beginning, but also through the book, he, I mean, he's very candid about the world in, in its manipulative, competitive, controlling, power-hungry, and, and there's a number of times it comes up to, you know, achievement and, and these type of things. How do you think that in, in terms of now and as a person, uh, his encounter with a manipulative, competitive world? Um, Is there anything to say about that?
1: Well, I think so. And, you know, even as um, we talked about in the first podcast, you know, sort of his life in the academy and how he struggles so much with a culture that was very competitive. But I think it was not just there, but maybe that was one of the places where it really came full bore to him. And, you know, to me, one of the values of Henry's work is that he was he was constantly challenging that culture. Mm-hmm. That with a life in God should be completely different, mm-hmm. and he's trying to describe that differentness mm-hmm. um, you know that otherness of it. but I think Henry was a sensitive guy; his friends would say his skin was super thin mm-hmm. um, and you know so when you're that sensitive um, you're easily hurt, and you're mm-hmm. you're easily affected um, mm-hmm. by all of the things that competition. Um, you know, and selfishness and all those things uh, can bring up. So maybe because he was especially sensitive in that way in his temperament, mm. that's, that's why it's a constant theme mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. in his writing.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, he, he really is outlining in this book, I mean, kind of the essentials for life with God. And, and in a sense, and, and you know, you see it later on in the book, too, he's, he's outlining kingdom life, although he doesn't use that language, but he's, he's got Dallas' stuff all in there. And, oh, yeah.
1: You know. Oh, yeah. You, you're, you're constantly longing to have heard a conversation between him and Dallas, <laughs> um, you know, because you do see um, you do see some of that just shining through um, mm-hmm. in the way he describes uh, life with God. You know, Henry uh Henry was a Roman Catholic, but he really kind of wrote toward and for the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So some people in fact are surprised to read the back of the book and find out He's Catholic. <laughs> you know, that he was Roman Catholic. He was so Christocentric. He was mm-hmm. so Jesus centric, gospel centric. And yet I think in this Henry sort of steps back a little bit and tries to look at the big God picture. You know, mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. and me. He, you know, he certainly brings Jesus in and he brings the gospel in, but, um, yeah, it's this big idea of, I am a creation of God and I am meant to be in relationship with him. And, you know, when I am, this is what, if I will receive that ultimately, mm-hmm. if, you know, the theme is love. If I will receive that belovedness, mm-hmm. you know, of my creator, then this is what life can look like. This is what life can be, even in the midst of a terribly broken, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, world, uh, Mm -hmm. very much affected by sin. So what I love about the the book is that he he doesn't shy away from the fact that we live in a very broken world. Mm -hmm. And yet he's trying to talk, he's trying to help you see the path, you know, even in the midst of that, um, Mm -hmm. what, what life with God, what the kingdom life can be.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this this next chapter, then blessed, where he's talking about kind of how God sees us and, and God's love for us.
1: Yes. What do and we? Oh, go go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go. Yeah. So just you know, even the power of that word "bless." Mm. You know, he he even starts out with the the idea of what that word is, what it means, and you know the benediction idea, um, and how powerful that idea and that action can be. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we are so familiar with that word, you know, especially in um, American culture, you know, bless people use that word, bless, 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 you know, all over the place. But Henry's really trying to dive into the depths of what that word really can mean. Mm
0: -hmm. And how it, how it, it becomes so helpful or a, a framework, a template for living life. Going back to the center of the you're chosen, you're blessed, you're loved. And, and that's the root. That's the grounding of, of how you live life. Is that, does that sound about right?
1: Oh, yeah. Because, you know, one of my favorite quotes from this book is that he says, being the beloved is the essence of our existence. Mm. And I mean, think about that for a minute. Being the beloved of God is the essence of my existence defines me Mm -hmm. it is my identity or it can Mm -hmm. um it's not what i do it's not how much i have it's not what other people think of me Mm -hmm. and so this is a beautiful way that henry and this recurs again and again in henry's writing um he's he's trying to say if we could ever actually believe it Mm -hmm. you know that this is who we are Wow, how different it would cause us to live, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how different it would cause us to relate
0: yeah,
1: uh, yeah. To, to others, you know, how differently it would cause us to approach our time and our work and mm-hmm. you know, everything else. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and the, the great sadness and maybe irony is, is that I've found a lot of Christians don't really think they're loved on, on a deep level.
1: I think that is so true, Nathan. I I have found that to be more and more the truth as I have, you know, walked with people, you know, helped to do spiritual direction with them, or when I've been in the classroom, you know. And right now, I am teaching in a seminary Mm -hmm. with people who, you know, supposedly are are training for ministry, Mm -hmm. and yet when I get into the depths of that kind of conversation with them. So many of them
0: don't to really,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. they, they don't know how to really believe it or how to really accept it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just, um, I mean, unfortunately, I think sometimes we really do have to get to the depths of, of some despair, um, you know, before we're, we're ready to receive it sure. or believe it. But yeah, I think I, I have found more and more often that, people who've been who say they've been followers of Jesus all their life and they're when you really get down to it I'm not sure they believe the gospel
0: yeah yeah
1: because you know that's the essence of the gospel right mm-hmm.
0: right and it and it, it then affects everything yes I mean that lens of those narratives for God affects when we begin in the spiritual practices and life with others it just it's like colors everything for destructive or productive productive means.
1: Yes. And please let me be clear. I've I've mentioned how I've heard it in other people's lives, but I hear it in my own life too. (laughs) You know, I have to get honest with myself too, to say, do I really trust this? Do I really believe this? Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. I really trusted this, you know, then this is how I, how I would live, or this is what I would do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just to see the struggle, the struggle for faith. I mean, to me, that's part of the ongoing journey, Mm -hmm. you know, of life with God. Sometimes I put a sticky note on my mirror and all it says is in my bathroom and all it says is, who do you trust? Mm-hmm. Who do you trust? Because to me, so often it gets back to that. Mm-hmm. Do I really trust that I am his beloved mm-hmm. daughter?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and then uh, to kind of pull it in, love is patient, love is kind right yes, and and, the, exactly. and then that kindness and that patience extends to us which is yes. so countercultural in a world that's achievement oriented and produce you know what are you doing and how productive are you um
1: oh man yeah and that's just super destructive to our souls mm-hmm. and and we don't we don't realize it um you know, what's that the famous commencement speech that was written? What is water? I don't know. If, I, don't if know. You, I don't know if you read it. But just to say, he opens with a story of an older fish swimming toward two young fish. And, you know, the older fish says, um, you know, nice water today. Huh? And the two younger fish look at each other and say, what the heck is water?
0: <laughs> OK.
1: You know, so the idea that they're not even aware of, yeah. you know, what is around them. Um, yeah. their culture. They don't, they're not questioning it.
0: Mm-hmm. They don't
1: even know it. And I think there's so much, you know, counter um, to God and to his word and to his love. That's so destructive to us, but we, we don't see it. We don't realize it. Mm-hmm. We don't know it until we get a taste of that, <laughs> of that belovedness, you know, of yes. God. Yes. Then. And then our longings rise up
0: mm. That's good. I mean, it seems to be a theme. I mean, it's obviously a theme in this book and in other of Nouwen's writings. In your study of, of his life, do you have any indication of how he learned and grew in his own sense of his belovedness?
1: Huh. Yes, I think so. Um, particularly, you know, when Henry came out of the academy and went into his pastoral work with L'Arche, um I think that's when he because he couldn't stand on the structure or the scaffolding of his accomplishments mm-hmm. or his name mm-hmm. or his uh you know uh, a popularity um I think that stripped him down mm. in some ways um and and sort of pulled away some of that scaffolding and you know made him really kind of deal with some of his innermost insecurities Mm -hmm. and longings. Um, And yeah, he went through, he, you know, he says in his writing, he went through some significant depression. He went through some significant spiritual searching um, and yet found beautiful ways to be honest about that. And yet turning to God in the midst of it and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, asking God to bring him even deeper um, Mm -hmm. into his belovedness with God. You know, Henry, for a guy who loved to talk about prayer and the contemplative life and, you know, he would go off to a monastery to, you know, spend weeks at a time because he he longed for the prayerful, quiet life. And yet Henry was hyperactive. He was, (laughs) you know, and he loved people and, you know, he was an extrovert in so many ways. And so, you know, you, you see this dichotomy, um, here, here's a guy who he know he knows the benefits of of contemplation as well as action. Mm-hmm. He he constantly feels the busyness of life just like we do, the mm-hmm. uh, distractions of life just like we do, and so he'll write to the contemplative life because he knows we need it. And yet he struggled with it. I mean, (laughs) he needed it too. you know, he could, he couldn't find time for prayer either, you know, Mm -hmm. at times, um, he, you know, he couldn't find time to be in scripture like he wanted to at times. And, Mm -hmm. and he, you know, so he went, he struggled with all the things that we do like guilt, um, and, you know, wishing it were different and yet can't seem to make it different, but Mm -hmm. In his honesty about that, I think he helps us find some hope.
0: Helps <laughs> sets us free a little to <laughs> Keep going, huh? <laughs> so, in I mean, in the book, and gives us two kind of specific ways that we can engage in uh, being God's beloved. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about those?
1: Yeah. So, you know, great thing about Henry, you know, in each chapter, he'll say, so how can we how can we do this? Or how can we experience Mm -hmm. this? Um, and he's, it's, you can count it. It's usually 10, you know, two or three points. (laughs) Um, but you know, he says one good way, um, to, um, to get in touch with our, our blessedness is to listen. And Mm -hmm. and the idea of listening through prayer, um, but also through sacred text as well, um, Mm -hmm. you know, through scripture. And so, yeah, this idea of, you know, how, how beautiful it can be when you're in a family where you have a father who lays his hands on your shoulders and blesses you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, every Sunday or something like that. He's he's sort of painting the same idea of, you know, listening to the voice of the one who calls us beloved, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. getting in touch with that blessedness. And then a second suggestion for um, claiming our blessedness is this cultivation of presence. Um, mm-hmm. The idea that. Um. Yeah, you know, I love his quote. He says, "The problem with modern living is that we're too busy to notice that we are being blessed." So, see, <laughs> I, you know, it's the idea of living in the present moment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being there and noticing all the ways, in a sense, that God communicates that we are blessed, mm-hmm. and yet we will quickly brush those aside mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because we'll fo- we'll focus on the negative. We'll focus how we've been rejected or how we're, you know, not. Uh, accomplishing what we want or all those things that distract <laughs> us away from all the many messages that say we are blessed.
0: <laughs> there is really something to be said to pausing and making a gratitude list. Right? Oh
1: yeah, to just absolutely.
0: Looking at these ways we're blessed. Um, I always find that so, help, so frustrating and I never want to do it. Um, but once I do it, I always find it so, so helpful.
1: Oh, me too. You know, in fact, I've, it's interesting you bring that up because I've been trying to do that um, the last half of this year oh. uh, to, to do a gratitude journal for myself. And first of all, I was amazed at how hard it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and yet also in some ways, how deeply meaningful almost immediately it mm-hmm. can be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it causes us to pay attention in a different way.
0: Mm-hmm. It does. Oh, I I had an experience. I think I I might have talked about it in a previous podcast or I wrote about it. But in short, I was praying about this situation that was just driving me nuts. And I felt God say, what are you grateful for, Nate? And I go, no, no, no. I I have to. You need to fix this. And I just (laughs) felt this, you know, prayers listening, right? I kept feeling this. No, Nate, what are you grateful for about this situation? Mm. And after five, ten minutes, I'm like, Fine. So I came up with a list of all the things about the situation that I was grateful for that were good, the blessings in this struggle, this, you know, situation. And then at the end, as I felt, okay, I felt like I'd done that. And I went back around, I found myself, God, I don't know that I want to ask you to remove this, you know, this situation Uh with with these people and such, because I'm getting a lot of blessing out of this. And your love for me Uh, is just woven in this, you know, suffering um, that was just, just a, a nice way that blessing and listening and presence kind of uh, come together.
1: Yeah. And I, th- I think that's a beautiful uh, example, exactly, of what Henry was trying to say huh. hey, in this chapter.
0: Hey, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he leaves this chapter with uh, this, this line, which I'll read. The loneliness, the homeless, and the addicted people are all too visible. Yet all these people yearn for a blessing. That blessing can only be given by those who've heard it themselves. Mm. I love that idea that, that it's almost natural, organic, that when we know we're loved, we're living in our uh, belovedness that we can extend that naturally, and that that almost becomes a prerequisite for learning to bless others is knowing of our own blessings. Oh
1: absolutely i think you know henry would would often say it's only as we let god love us that we are then able to love others mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and um i think that is so true so in this idea of blessing the more we sense the blessing the more it fills us up to be able to give the blessing mm-hmm. and of course you know that's going to get us right into the last part of the book
0: it does right? that's a yeah. That's a great segue. And and maybe to kind of work with that just, just a little bit, this then, working with being chosen, being blessed, this isn't about kind of selfish me stuff. Um, and this is actually very practical in the way God seems to have designed humans to interact with, with, with each other. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's helpful for my uh, work and play and relationships with others to spend time digging through some of this.
1: Yeah, you know, my one of my favorite definitions of Christian spiritual formation is Ruth Haley Barton's. And she talks about it being the process of becoming more like Jesus for God's glory, for the sake of our own abundance, but also for the sake of others. Yep. And that you can't leave out that last part mm-hmm. or, or it's not the full kingdom life.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that sums it up well. Good. Okay. Well, let's, uh, we'll pause and uh, let people go on about reading the book, and we'll come back and chat again.
1: Can't wait. Thanks, <laughs> Nate.
0: Thanks.